This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. If I sound excited, it's because I am. This is James here uh, with my co-host, Alex, as always. What up? Immediately following what was one of the most bizarre games of soccer I've probably watched in my life, certainly this season, Everton coming from behind after going down two goals early, come back to win 3-2 at the death. Theo Walcott, after playing an atrocious game, manages to bag the winner, and we leave Vicarage Road with three points. Alex, your initial thoughts? I don't know how to think. Tell me, tell me how to feel. Feel good. Uh, we won. I don't know. Like, I'm so salty about the match, but then I'm sitting here like it's 3-2 and we won. You know, it, it almost feels like we just kind of took the beating uh, from the last four minutes of the Newcastle match and just kind of, you know, reciprocated it towards Watford, which is fantastic because if there's any club that, well, that's not true. If there's if there's one particular club other than our uh, direct rivals that I'd love to do this to, it's Watford. Um, I think that... I don't know. I think the the general sentiment is that we maybe didn't necessarily deserve to win the game. And, you know, we talk about the difference between stats and an eye test, and I'm undecided on my own eye test. However, not that anyone probably cares. I might get some chuckles off of this, but the stats suggest that we should have won. I I do think that the Delph um, second yellow to red was obnoxious. I think the NBC commentators were literally the death of me for 96 minutes. Um, but I think it's a really good three points on the road. Um, the, just the, the most important narrative here, James, is we came back from 0-2 and won the match. And on top of that, it was with 10 men. We never saw that under Marco Silva, not once. And here we are. Yeah, not only did we come, you know, under Marco Silva, we never came back to win, period, much less come back from from two goals down to to end up with all three points. And yeah, you're right. Pretty much everything went against us this match. We went we conceded in the 10th minute. We went down two goals and it, I mean the first half was atrocious. We were slow. Watford were winning every 50-50 ball. We weren't really able to get anything going with the midfield. Sigurdsson and Delph were playing poorly. And on top of that, not only you mentioned the commentators, but the referee today, absolutely awful. I think it might have been Craig Pawson. It was a terrible performance, weirdly inconsistent calls, not just against us, but against Watford as well. Some really, really curious ones in, in the Delph second yellow being probably the most questionable of them all. But yeah, I mean, I'm still spinning. I don't really know what to make of this because it really didn't feel like we played well for most of the match. Of course, the two goals that we conceded, the second goal, basically Delph handed to them. The first one was uh, actually a really nice diagonal ball to Delafeu with a really nice trap on his part and a really good finish from Messina. But the second goal, Delft just gives the ball away in a dangerous position, and we basically hand them a 2-0 deficit. And at that point, I think everyone's kind of having flashbacks to the Marco, Silva, um, Marco Silva's tenure 
where we would have just collapsed. We would have shown no fight. And lo and behold, just a few short minutes later, Yeri Mina bundles one in off a corner and gets his first goal of the season. And even then, I'm sort of thinking, okay, well, at least we're, you know, we're back in the game going into half and we'll have something to play for and we can fight. And then just a couple of seconds later, he gets a the freest of headers on a corner and just nods it in. And all of a sudden we're level going into half and it's all to play for. It was it was a head spinning couple minutes. And then the second half, um, you know, there's a lot to be said there, but no one, no team was really able to, to cement a foothold. It was very open um, at times and and very poor from both sides at other times where they weren't able to string any passes together. But again, a win's a win, three points on the road, and the fight that the team showed, I think, uh, will will give a lot of Evertonians confidence moving forward. Yeah, listen. So I, I think I think in general, the main discussion points in this episode about about winning away at Watford should be almost the intangibles, right? You know, for me, there wasn't any. There there might have been a, a handful of Everton players that I thought played pretty well. Mason Holgate has to be one of them. Yes. Um, Right. I, I think Mason Holgate has to be one of them. Honestly, across the forward line. I mean, I thought Awobi was really great for the first 20, 30 minutes yep. um, when he was able to see the ball. But really, I'm not impressed with anyone today, except for in general, the team spirit and the way that we're, you know, able to go two nil down. Essentially, you know, the narrative on Twitter over the last couple of weeks, actually, is the fact that Yuri Mina has had, you know, X amount of shots on target this season, hadn't scored one before, right? And we brought him in from Barcelona. He had a really great World Cup. I think he scored in three um, in three matches in the World Cup in a row, uh, one of which was, you know, leading up, I think it was in the in- game against England, right? And then all of a sudden he comes to Everton, he only scored one goal last season, and then this season, none. Yet he starts it off with a brace, which was super exciting, and I think it made halftime just kind of interesting to say the least. But as you said, their their two goals weren't necessarily gimmies, right? The first one was just extremely well worked by all three players involved, to be fair. The second goal was just Delph's mistake. And so I really I really enjoyed just the 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 spirit and the togetherness because you could tell that they still were kind of digging in, right? They go into halftime. The last couple of years, to be honest, Everton have been a second half team. Do you agree with that, James? Like we have in the last couple years, maybe disregarding this season, we would come out very slow and try to get back into the game after halftime. Do you agree with that? Well, yeah, I would say just really quickly that Marco Silva, I think at certain times in his tenure was really able to get a halftime reaction from the team. Although that of course faded towards uh, when things started to go south towards the end of his reign. Right, right, right. So, so we go in halftime and Carlo Ancelotti obviously did whatever he felt necessary because the players came out we dominated the second half for the first uh, 25 minutes until we got, until Duff got the second red, I mean, excuse me, the second yellow card, which turned to a red, right? Like we had all of the possession. We had constant pressure. They couldn't string more than two passes together. Everything was on the up and up. I really liked the attitude. Everyone was digging in, still putting in the hard yards. And, and, and you know, I just overall, I'm just proud to call myself an Evertonian today. Is that, is, is that too much, James? No, I think that that's easy to say when we win. And and of course, I feel the same way. But yeah, I mean, it, it was clear coming out in the second half that we were on the front foot, that we had snatched the momentum going into the locker rooms and that we were coming out with some real intent. Unable to finish. Uh, we had some really nice chances. Richarlison had a couple really good chances to score. Calvert-Lewin actually really struggled to get involved for most most of the match and was eventually, of course, substituted once Delph 
went off for just, I mean, it's a, it's a, not a good challenge, but by no means is that a second yellow. I think that's really, really harsh on the referee. And you saw immediately after that Carlos shifts, shifts the strategy. He takes off Calvert Lewin, brings on uh, Morgan Schneiderlin and sort of tries to shore up that midfield moves Mason. Then we got Michael Keen on moving Mason Holgate into the midfield. Uh, Yuri Mina will get the plaudits today for scoring two goals, of course, but Mason Holgate, I thought was immense for us. He struggled early on, was, was ambitious in trying to get the ball forward, but again, his passing sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired. But today, defensively, he was incredibly solid. I thought Sidibe, um, you know, had a good game, but as soon as we shifted the, the formation to kind of play it out seemingly to try to get the one point and escape with a draw. Waffer started to come onto us a little bit as you would expect a man down, but we absorbed their pressure really well. The last 10 minutes or so were really nervy, but then we had our golden opportunity to break and get the winner. And Richarlison in the night, you know, late on shows tremendous endurance and pace getting forward, lays it off to Moise Keen, who I don't know about you, Alex. I think that's a shot. I think he's trying to stab at it and tap it in. Uh, Yes, Obviously doesn't doesn't come off that way. Falls right to Walcott, who you tweeted it, and I, I think a lot of fans felt the same way. One of his worst games uh, of a lot, and he's had a lot of really poor games in his Everton career. This was one of the worst, but credit to him, he's there when it matters, and he slots at home, and we're away, and we're and you know we just had to see the last five minutes out, and we did it. It was great. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, so Richarlison's run, run is one of the one of the two main things I wanted to point out from the match. Kind of the main uh, quote unquote moments. It is like the ninetieth. Well, it is the eighty ninth minute, and Richarlison is literally running the length of the pitch by himself, correct, with the ball. How many times do we see players from any team? Period take the easy route, right? They'll take a couple strides, realize it's not, it's going to be very difficult to surpass, surpass the defender, or they have another midfielder kind of in route trying to, you know, work themselves in behind to protect uh, the defender who's been pulled. And yet he was like, nah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to push it. And what does he do? He takes two defenders with him, plays a perfect ball to Moise Keane, who, as you said, scuffs it, but it doesn't matter. That is the that is the attitude. That is the energy. That is the desire that everyone on the pitch should have. Now that's I'm not highlighting that from Richarlison because that's just like groundbreaking from him. Because I think we could both agree we would expect him of all people on the team to do that. To, you know, he always shows that desire and that work rate is ridiculous. The other po- person I wanted to point out today was Mason Holgate. He was almost faultless in the back line when he was playing. I thought his distribution was great. His dis- his decision-making was good. He had some really good 1v1 defending. And then, as you said, he got shifted into midfield. And once again, he won a couple headers. He won a couple aerial duels, right? He had some very nice composure on the ball to just make the simple passes and try to retain possession when the team needed it most. And on top of that, every time the camera panned to him, you could tell that he's barking at his teammates, you know, let's go. Hey, watch this. Watch that. He was he was arguing with the referee, which is simple as it sounds as, you know, as, as recent as two, three years ago. We had no players on that pitch would even talk to the referee. That was like the biggest issue. You remember that? So it, it, both of those scenarios are are what epitomizes this win. Right. Th- those two those two players and the way they conduct themselves epitomize, you know, the ability and the desire to come back and win a football match away from home under all circumstances, whether that's unlucky goals or individual mistakes, the referee himself, all of it. 
Yeah, it's just really, really nice to see Everton persevere through some hardship and everything going against them and manage to still pull out all three points because it seems like the mentality of this team has been for a long time now, as soon as something goes wrong, the the heads go and the the results go with it. And today we showed determination. And, and you know, the two goals for Yeri Mina, pretty poor defending. I mean, the first goal was reminiscent of the Newcastle uh, equalizer where it was just kind of goal line chaos and he stabs it in. And there was even a shout potentially for it coming off his, his shoulder and being a handball. But fortunately, VAR uh, vindicated him and the goal was allowed. But yeah, I mean, today, the fact that we were able to get back into it at half, I think was obviously like a vital component to that, because I think if we go into halftime 2-0 down, there's no way we're able to to scrape three goals or even two goals to equalize and take something out of the match. So key timing on the two goals. But yeah, the second half, I mean, again, the refereeing decision is just so bizarre at times. Inconsistent. You saw, I mean, Dean in the first half had some weird uh, back and forth action and the announcers again, like just, uh, I, I don't think anyone goes into a match if you're a professional announcer being like, I hate this team. I'm going to purposefully, you know, slant my, my commentary against them or for them. But that's exactly what it comes off as when, when you've got clear fouls and, or when Dean gets slide tackled from behind and the announcer saying, that's not a foul for me. Or when Dean makes a clean tackle and they're, they're postulating whether or not it's a red card. That stuff's just very frustrating for fans, but it doesn't have any, you know, any material impact on what goes on on the pitch. Just as bad as Delph was and, you know, as, as absent as the midfield was for a lot of the game. Um, it's, it, I thought Sigurdsson had an, a couple okay moments and in Delph's defense going forward, he did have a couple really nice moments where he would beat two men, multiple men and bring the ball forward. But everything else about the game, I think, you know, he was, he was relatively poor. Who scored has him at a 5.2 with an error obviously leading directly to the goal. So, I mean, there's a lot to work on, and this could have easily gone the other way. The margins are very fine, but the result is the result. Three points away. Carlo, I think, deserves a lot of credit for the adjustments he made after going down a man, and it feels good to win again. And I think Everton really, really needed that after the Newcastle match. And you know what they always say about the best teams? The best teams find a way to grind out a result whether it looks good or not. And and that is that is again, you know, one of the most important points. Apparently every point I make today is important, James, right? One of the most important, every single one of, of course. them. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh so please listen, write write this down. Uh Okay. Nonetheless, I I really do think that it it's just it's important for us as fans to see that they were able to grind it out and win and, and you can see how much it meant to them based on, you know, just the general team like cheeriness and the fact that Actually, if you watch the replay when Walcott scored, he scored directly in front of the Evertonian away contingency, and the limbs, limbs. were just incredible. Limbs. Yeah, limbs. They were incredible. I think that was that was just a really nice moment for the club, the fans, and the players. Because look, the players are celebrating with Walcott on the side of the pitch, which is exactly in front of the small sliver of allocation that you get at an away match for for away fans. And and I hope that this is really kind of a result that can catapult us forward and help us make a nice push to the end of the season. Uh, I, we haven't mentioned it. It's February 1st today, uh, which is insane, by the way. Uh, we did close down the transfer uh, window without making any new signings. And and I was thinking about it the other day as well. Actually, and by that, I mean yesterday. I think that that 
that could also make a statement to your current players that, hey, we, we really believe in you. I've been saying it in the media, right? You know, or you had two or three managers that have been saying it to you this season, but we did not go out and sign anyone. We felt that it was not, the situation was not dire enough in which we should have overextended in the market. And so I think that that also plays a big part in confidence levels of the team. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the decision to bring in players or not or rather not to bring in players was more just due to the context of the market and the price that we would have had to play. But I, I think, yeah, you're right. It does send a message to the players and, and, you know, it places the responsibility on them more than anything else. Like, hey, no, there's no uh, there's no magical savior that's going to come in and immediately make things better, which I think they all knew. But now they have to take responsibility and, and they took responsibility today. And that's something that we've kind of lacked for a long time as players taking it upon themselves to make something happen. And today we saw a lot of that. And again, you know, Michael Keane came on and did a really nice job shoring up the back line and forcing, of course, Holgate to move to midfield. Um, Moyes Keane, you know, he gets the assist on that goal and wasn't super impactful. And, and it was, we struggled for a lot of the game to get our forwards involved. But when we did, they made things happen. And I, I just feel really good. It feels good to win after just getting our guts ripped out a couple weeks ago to return to this and Carlo Ancelotti getting the halftime reaction spurs us on and we, we escape with all three points. And it, it, again, our, our waveform has been so bad. And furthermore, our second half form, as we know, you know, everyone I think at this point has probably seen those tables. The first half versus the second half were third for first half performance and we're dead last in second half performance. Today, we had a relatively good second half performance. And again, three points over the moon, feeling great. Yeah, so just a quick look at the table, right? At time of recording, there are still um, a, a handful of matches to be played over the weekend, but we've played 25 matches and we are now ninth in the table. So we are back in the top half with 33 points. I want to point out that fifth place Sheffield United only has 36. So they are literally three points away. That, that is all that separates ninth and fifth place right now. So the, the table is still extremely tight. I don't want to sound like a broken record. It's still possible. We can still do this, blah, 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 blah. But it, it's a nice sign to see. Obviously, you then look at the table and you think what could have been if we didn't concede two last week. Um, but either way, I think it's a promising sign. It's nice to see us sitting in the top half, although I wouldn't have expected to be saying that in the summer. And I I just... I want everyone to just enjoy this moment as much as possible because we, we don't get enough of them. No, we certainly don't. And so enjoy it, guys. I think that's probably going to be a wrap for our first half of the show. Stay tuned for the second half. I will be speaking with Tony from the Chicago Evertonians, the Chicago Toffees, to talk about his candidacy for the Everton Fans Forum and his plans for what he would do as a representative and advocate for American fans. So stay tuned for that. We'll see you guys after the break. And now for the second part of the podcast, James here again, and this time very pleased to be joined by Tony Sampson. Tony is of the Chicago Evertonians. Tony, thanks for coming on the program. Delighted to be here, James. Thanks for inviting me on. So you and I have been in conversation for the last couple of weeks, and it's been a it's been a process for you. But the the reason that we brought you on is, as you've announced on Twitter yesterday, that you are in contention for one of the spots 
uh, on the Everton fans forum, uh, which is they revealed, I guess they will officially reveal some of the candidates. A lot of them have already announced. So um, just give us to start just a little bit of your background. Obviously, you are a native Scouser who relocated to Chicago, but talk about that that journey um, a little bit in your background as an Evertonian. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I mean, my Everton story uh, is, I suspect, is probably very similar to to a lot of Blues. Um, so, I uh, I grew up in the south end of the city, um, not far from from the airport. Uh, and to be honest with you, I've got my dad to thank uh, for becoming a Blue, and I'm 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 very very pleased that uh, you know that that's how it turned out because it's. Uh, you know, I couldn't imagine it any other way, to be honest, despite uh, despite some of the lean years that we've been and some of the difficult times we've got to go through now, particularly as uh, as the other lot are having a bit of a resurgence. But um but yeah, you know, my dad my dad had been uh watching watching Everton, um, you know, when he was a, a young man and a young lad. Um and, and and as I say, like many families, you know, as you will know, it can be either blue or red. Occasionally you get blues and reds. Sure. Um yeah. But uh, but but my dad was a blue, so uh, it was a very again like like lots of scouts, you know, football is is just part of growing up and it's part of life, um, and and that was very much the way, the way in our house. You know, we were a football mad house, uh, and you know, I think from I think my earliest memories were probably around about the age of five uh, when my dad sort of started taking me to uh, to Goodison. We used to we used to go in in the paddock, and it was obviously before before the seats were there. Uh, he used to he used to plonk me on top yeah. of a a freezing cold bar. Um, you know, we'd go and get crisps or or chips, as you guys call them over here. Yeah. You know, on a can of pop or something, and then uh, you know, and then and then watch the match. And you know, I think you you might have seen on sort of social media recently. You know, lots of lots of images of you know kids walking into Goodison for the first time. Mm. Um, and and you know, it's uh, it's a memory that sticks with me as well. You know, it, it, it was just just an amazing just to sort of when we sort of walked up the stairs. Uh, to where the, uh, you know, where the terracing was and then just, I mean, just everything about it, you know, the smell, the people, uh, the atmosphere, seeing, you know, these, seeing these footballers, you know, not, not that far away from you. And, you know, that was it. That, again, like many blues, that's when, uh, you know, that's when, that's, that's when it all began. Of course. And so, so you, you grew up visiting Goodison and that's obviously been a big part of your, your life and your childhood. And then a bit later on in life, you end up relocating to, the USA of all places and specifically Chicago. Yep. Um, so, so was it, were you apprehensive about leaving? Like, I mean, obviously move, moving countries is a, is a huge deal and a big, big change, but were you specifically, did it ever like leaving, being able to go to the match every week? Was that something that played a big factor uh, or something that was in the back of your mind the whole time? Yeah, definitely, actually. And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing, actually, um, you know, sort of football, Again, you know, I keep saying this, but for, you know, for, for many blues, it is, it isn't just about going to watch the football. You know, it's about being, you know, part of a, a community and, you know, with a group of people that, you know, you know, are all there for the same reason. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the special bond that's Everton is it, you know, it really, it really does, it really does get to you as, you know, as many, as many former players and, and players and managers have said. Um, and I'd, um, you know, obviously after following Everton, um, sort of all over the place with, you know, with my dad. Uh, I mean, I actually, I moved away from Liverpool, um, for, you know, for a number of years, you know, with work and various other things and studying and what have you. Um, but I still sort of, you know, kept my season ticket and used to come back. And then, you know, once I had, um, you know, I've got a couple of lads, um, you know, when they started 
to go to the match and they were match age, you know, we we were lucky enough to be able to sort of get, you know, some season tickets all together. So there was sort of, you know, there's always been three generations of Blues sat together watching the game. So my dad, wow. uh, myself and, you know, and, and, and my two boys. So even though we lived away from the city, you know, that was, you know, that was sort of part of our routine every weekend was to get up early and, you know, make a, make a long drive, uh, over 200 miles up to, up to Goodison and you know, sometimes in the same day. And, you know, like, yeah. like many, many blues do, do that, you know, religiously. So, you know, it was, it was always a, a big part of, you know, what we did, you know, my, my, my son's school reports, you know, were always, you know, they always had an Everton reference somewhere, you know, every, every, every teacher sort of, you know, if they didn't know about Everton, they certainly did, you know, after, after my kids had gone there. So, so yeah, it, it, you know, it's a big, it's a big part of, you know, it's a big part of every blues life. So, so it was for us. So moving away and making that call, you know, it was, it was like, you know, what were we going to do? And it was one of the first things that we thought about, you know, as we were moving to Chicago, you know, we've got to get the house and we've got to, you know, plan where we're going to be and all that sort of stuff. But we, we right. came out on a bit of a, a bit of a recce, uh, sort of to, to, to understand, you know, sort of what the areas were like and what was doing. And of course, one of the first things on our list was where can we watch the match? Um, you know, and, and then that sort of led us to, we found, uh, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic bar called AJ Hudson's, um, sort of just on the outskirts of the, the city there, um, which is actually run by a, by a blue. Um, Jamie. Yeah. Um, and the first thing I saw when I walked in was a, a massive sort of, you know, Chicago toffees, pride of Merseyside, um, uh, <laughs> flag in there. So instantly it was like, you know what? This is, I think this is going to be all right. Uh, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll be fine. I think we can settle here. Um, so obviously, you know, when we moved, we moved, uh, about a year ago. Um, again, sort of, you know, the ritual that we used to do driving sort of up the motorway to watch Everton has now sort of been driving from where we live to, you know, to go and watch the match. And, uh, you know, it's been great. You know, it's, there's a, there's a regular group that, you know, watch the match, uh, every week, uh, really loyal, the mixture of people, um, that were born in the city. So scouts, uh, that have moved out here with work and, and settled here. Uh, but also people that have, you know, chosen to, you know, to, to take Everton as their team. Um, and it's amazing because, you know, they're there at all sorts of hours in the morning, uh, you know, sort of I think the early starts, early kickoffs mean that, you know, they're, they're in the pub at six o'clock and, you know, yeah. some, some people might say, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing getting in the pub at six o'clock in the morning, but, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it is, a it, it is a commitment and, you know, people, you know, people do it. And I think the other thing that struck me was, you know, uh, you know, I think it's easy to, you know, to choose teams that are doing well. Uh, you know, when I, when I was a kid, you know, Evan sort of, you know, late seventies, early eighties, before we had that purple patch, you know, it was, it was tough being a blue. Uh, mm. you know, I can remember going to my first derby, um, at Goodison, um, you know, and we were actually sat in the lower Bullens and you'll remember this from the Howard's, the Howard's way film. That was the one where we got beat five nil and, you know, we yeah, yeah. scored four and Oof. of course, cause the blues and reds sit together, you know, there was loads of yeah. reds, uh, around us. And I mean, I, I remember crying all the way home to my dad, but actually, you know, it's that resolve and, you know, and that's, it's, you know, it, 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 it there was never a second where, you know, you'd, you'd want to change or, you know, think about, about choosing a different team. And, you know, when I, when I speak, you know, to some of the blues, you know, not just in Chicago, but actually, you know, in, in other cities as well in the US and, and internationally, you know, there's a, the, you know, there's something about them as well. You know, they, they, they've got a, a real passion for the club. Um, they, uh, you know, they really want to, you know, want that sort of, you know, sense of belonging to, to something and they, and they understand it. Uh, and they also seem to have a, you know, the same levels of distaste for the, for, for the other shower across the park. So, you yeah. know, it's, uh, they get it. So, 
you know, again, that's, you know, that's, that's meant that, you know, that's now become sort of part of our routine, uh, you know, as a family. And, uh, you know, we've really enjoyed it and made, made to feel really welcome. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it, it's a, it's a great way of being able to sort of settle into, into a new life, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, it continues to amaze me just to what degree, you know, the Everton fan base is like a family. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, uh, Georgi, the, the guy who tweeted oh, that was about the what bar, a story that was, I mean, unbelievable. And it's, and it exemplifies exactly what I think Everton are all about. And, and it just, like when Alex and I tweeted and we announced that we were going for our first time within hours, we had people offering us their season tickets, people offering right. to buy us drinks, people offering to show us around. I mean, it's, it's, it's like to those who, who, you know, if you understand that you, I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but we all know the quote and it's, <laughs> it holds true. And, and it's a, it's a special, special club and a special community around the team. And I think it's it's great that you, having come over, have been able to find that sense of community that exists, even though the supporters are thousands of miles away. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I think I saw the reaction, you know, for you know when you guys said that you were coming over, and it, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, uh, and you're right, you know, the story, you know, the story from Georgie there, and the, you know, the the guy from the the barber shop in Liverpool, you know, sending them a lot yeah. of kits over it. I mean, it's just, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it speaks volumes. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you guys will have to get used to that, you know, when you, when you get over there. And again, I, I know that there's plenty of people lining up to, to take you out for a beer and, and, uh, you know, the, the yeah. thing is, you know, it's really genuine. Um, and I think that, that yes, absolutely. That spirit and, you know, that togetherness is, uh, is, is, is really important. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, Every football fan thinks that their team and their club is, you know, is the best and the most special. But you know, there is definitely something, uh, you know, something, something about Everton. And you know, I mean, even I think I think the, the club sometimes has been criticised in in the, in the last number of years around, you know, maybe sort of trying to talk up too much a little bit about the work that it does with the community. You know, obviously through Everton in the community, and you know, it needs to get you know it needs to get the number one priority right first, which is you know the football, but. Uh, right. I think it's, I think it's to its great credit that, um, you know, for a long time now as well, you know, it's not just something that it's been working on for the last number of years, you know, it's, it's invested in supporting the community for, you know, for a long, long time. And, and, and the, the, the impact that they have is, is tremendous. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've been lucky to sort of see some of that myself. You know, I spent a little bit of time, um, after, after my kids sort of raised a little bit of money for them. And, and it is, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a brilliant family. Um, they're proud to be part of it. Yeah, and I think nothing exemplifies the the nature of the club and the the giving attitude of of the entire fan base in the club itself better than EITC. And I think you know when there there are American sports teams that have, that most of them are now essentially corporations and yeah. and they do they do charity work and and all of those things are amazing and wonderful and but there, there's always like to some degree a bit of like cynicism about it where it yeah, seems like yeah. you're doing it out of for the publicity more so than you know the actual goodwill um and i think none of that has has really existed with everton because it's been going on for so long and because of just you can you it, there's no second guessing the intent behind it and it's just very you know well intentioned and and you've actually done a fair bit of work with the EITC and i think our listeners would be you know really interested to hear about uh, some of the stuff that you've got that you've done with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think, as you say, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think it's easy to sort of um, you know for, for these things to take off and be successful, particularly if you know the other part, you know, the football side is 
you know, is successful, you know, because everybody's mood's lifted, everybody's bouncing along, you know, it, you know, it lifts spirits and, you know, sort of gets people engaged in things. But again, I think, you know, we haven't had that for a long time as, as, as is well documented. So, you know, to see the club stick with, with what it's been doing over the last number of years with the ITC, again, I think is, uh, I think is, 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 a, is, a, is a great testament to what it's been doing. Uh, and as for us, yeah, we, um, and we, we obviously have always been aware of it, you know, some of the, some of the programs that we did, but we got, a, we got to understand a little bit more about it um, after um, my two lads did a, I don't know if you know this, but the, the under 23 squad did a, um, did a campaign where I think David Unsworth um, took the under 23s and they slept out in Goodison um, overnight. It was, a, it was a campaign called Home is Where the Heart Is. Um, and then they obviously sort of raised, you know, raise, raise money for that. Um, and then I think the club then invested in uh, a house, um, for kids that had come through the care system. So they actually bought a house, uh, in L4, uh, for, for kids that were coming through the care system and sort of needed, you know, didn't have, hadn't had the best chances in life. Uh, and I just thought that was, that was a great thing. And actually, you know, my, my lads, um, you know, they're like all kids of their age, you know, they're on sort of, you know, on the on the screens all the time and tapping into stuff. The Event Naps obviously the first one that they you know they downloaded. Uh, and you know they they'd seen that and then, you know, um sort of with doing said, Oh look, we'll do something like that. So actually it was a couple of years ago now we were we were still back in the UK then and they did a they did a, they did they they tried to replicate it but they did a sleep out in in, in our back garden. Yeah, or our backyard as you as you'd say here, uh back home. And they did that for two weeks in February. So now February isn't isn't as cold in the UK as it is in Chicago, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's pretty cold, but yeah, you know, they, they slept out in a tent for, for a couple of weeks and raised a bit of money for a local homeless charity, but also they decided they'd, they'd give half to, to EITC. So, uh, you know, that, that was, that was great. And then, you know, the club then invited them up to sort of go and have a look at where that, some of that money was going. We, we spent a bit of time with the, you know, the fantastic team, um, there. And so, so we actually went to visit the house and sort of, you know, as that was just close to completion. Uh, and they were, they were raising funds. Uh, I think they were running a, uh, one of the classes they do for one of the drop-in centers they do for, you know, for people with dementia. Uh, and it was just mm. great. Um, you know, the boys spent a little bit of time. Um, around the blue base there and got chatting to some of the staff and, um, some of the, some of the team and the, the, you know, the disabled team. It was, it was, it was a, it was a real eye opener. And, and to be honest with you, it was, uh, it sort of gripped us from that. It was, it was, it was an amazing experience. And then, uh, when I moved out here, um, to Chicago, um, the chairman of our group, um, sort of was telling me that, you know, they just had a meeting about their plans for, uh, for last year, uh, and one of the things that they wanted to do was to, you know, sort of do something that was community, community based. And, and then we, we then decided we'd do a, you know, we'd do a bit of a fundraising event, um, uh, which we did in la- last November, uh, in, uh, in AJ Hudson's. And, you know, we, the club were great. They helped us pull a few things together and got us some merchandise and, uh, you know, were able to auction that off. And, uh, it, it was great, you know, one, because it just brought all the blues together. Uh, which was, which was great. And also, you know, it got some new blues that hadn't been along, uh, to, you know, to spend a bit of time and get involved with the club. Um, yeah, but also managed to, to raise a few grand as well for, for EITC. So, um, so yeah. And looking, you know, it isn't just us that does that. I mean, I know, you know, I see from Twitter, I've seen the Atlanta blues. I've seen the Southern California blues. Um, there's plenty of others that, you know, that all do very similar things. Uh, and again, I think for, you know, for people in the U S to want to be doing that. 
you know, for, for their club, you know, thousands of miles away. I think, I think it's great. It certainly is. And of course, all the work that, that you've done in the Chicago Toffees and, and all the supporters groups, like you said, it's amazing. Um, the connection that people can feel to, to something so that is geographically so distant, but I think, uh, figuratively very close to all of our hearts. And so, um, I guess that brings us kind of full circle back to the, the reason for your appearance on the show, which is your candidacy for a spot on the Everton fans forum. And we will be, uh, of course, having you back on next week to talk a little bit more specifically about, you know, what you hope to do if you are in fact elected, but yeah, yeah, sure. just give everyone a, a, a little bit of a rundown on what the fans forum is for those that don't know. And, um, yeah, just, just what sort of prompted you to want to submit yourself for, for candidacy? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I haven't, um, again, you know, I knew it existed and it, you know, it's basically, you know, it's basically a, a group of, um, of Everton fans that are there to, you know, sort of represent the broader fan base and, um, a sort of test and pressure test some of the ideas and policies that the, the clubs are driving and also bring, you know, bring, bring ideas and make sure that, you know, the, the, the fans voices is heard on that, whether that be on, you know, ticketing, season ticket prices. And, you know, they were involved, I think, in, you know, sort of getting a statue up and running of the Holy Trinity outside Goodison, which you'll see when you get out there. Uh, you know, dealing with issues that, you know, fans had had when they were traveling to away games. So, you know, they were some of the issues that, that they dealt with. But I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think that it's, it's had, um, you know, I think this is one of the things that, you know, I've seen people talk about it. I, I don't think people have really understood exactly, you know, what, you know, what, what some of the issues are, um, you know, for it to do and, and how best to get engaged. So actually, when I just saw again through social media, saw that they were, um, you know, they were, they were advertising or there was going to be a, a few spots open for, for this year. And I just thought, well, you know, um, I wonder, started looking into it a little bit more and sort of look at, looked at sort of, you know, the type of people that were, that were part of that. And, you know, they seem to have, um, you know, the, the members at the moment sort of have sort of, a, you know, assigned responsibilities, whether that be, you know, the junior blues or whether that be, um, you know, supporting supporters with disabilities, um, or, you know, uh, you know, family blues or whatever, all sort of different, different areas. And then as I was going through, uh, you know, it just, just struck me that there didn't seem to be, um, sort of any direct representation, representation of the, uh, of the international fan base. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, having moved out here and sort of seeing the strength of following and, and what have you, I just thought, well, that's, that, that's a bit strange. Um, and I, I just think it's, you know, I think it's really important when we've got, you know, so many blues around the world with, you know, maybe different themes and different issues that, you know, you, you you'd want to, you'd want to take on board. And if you were, you know, living in the city or, or in the UK that I thought, well, look, you know, there's got to be, you know, how, how are their, their views represented and what have you. And again, you know, I know that, you know, lots of the supporters clubs across the US are already, um, or, you know, some of them, you know, were sort of, you know, working with the club on stuff. So, and I know that that happens, uh, for sure. I know that there's other Everton USA groups as well that, you know, that organize trips over, but there didn't seem to be anybody, uh, or any, any way in which, um, you know, as I say, the international fans and the US fans could, could have their voice heard. So that's what led to it, really. I thought, look, this is a, you know, let's, I also spoke to a few people as well, you know, spoke to fellow blues, not just in Chicago, but, you know, uh, across, you know, across the US and, and internationally. And so people said, yeah, look, you know, there's, in fact, 
you know, some people have been thrown a long list of things that, you know, they, <laughs> you know, that they want the club yeah. to take on. So, you know, I think it's generated a bit of interest and, you know, um, you know, hopefully, I, I mean, I'd love to get the chance to, to do it. I think it's important that, um, people get that opportunity to, to, to say what they can. Um, and not just as a, you know, not just to, to sort of say the nice stuff, but actually challenge the club if things aren't, you know, maybe aren't working, working so well. Um, you know, and if, uh, you know, if I get that chance, that's what I'll do. That's a very convincing sales pitch. I think, <laughs> I think, you know, just in the conversations we've had off air and, and including your, your background and the, the context with which you came to America and having the, the full blooded, full blooded scouser and to see sort of what the differences are and observe those. I think it would make your, your perspective would be tremendously valuable to the fans forum. And I think it's important that international fans and of course, you know, being selfish, specifically American fans. I should have at least some sort of voice um, within the club because, you know, the, the club's only going to continue to grow over here as the results on the pitch, hopefully long-term turn up. And, you know, I, I think I really hope you get it. You have my full support. And of course, like I said earlier, we'll have you back on next week to sort of talk about some specific ideas that, that you think you can bring to the table. And the voting begins next Friday, February 7th. So mark your calendars if you're listening now. But also tune in next week uh, to to catch a little bit more specific information about Tony's campaign and all that good stuff. But for now, Tony, appreciate your time a lot. Thanks for coming on and chatting with me. Yeah, thanks a lot, James. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to uh, to chatting to to, to you again uh, and uh, enjoy, enjoy the win from today. Absolutely, and everyone out there, enjoy the win as well. <laughs> we'll be with you guys midweek for a match preview. But until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.